really glad that you're here with us this morning on this special day. This day that we remember and we celebrate and we contemplate when everything changed. And so let's take a minute as we transition now into, into diving into the Word. Let's take a minute to quiet our minds, quiet, quiet our hearts to receive what the Lord would say to all of us today. And then we'll respond with a, a call to worship. I'll read the first line and then the lines that are in all caps. We will stand and read together and declare. But first, let's just take a minute and welcome the Spirit of Jesus. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, you are here, risen, alive, and ruling. Your Spirit infuses your body, us, the church. Because you are alive, Jesus, we are alive. Individually and collectively. Death has been defeated and we have been set free. Ransomed, purchased, adopted, free. Stand with me as we declare this this morning. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Darkness has been vanquished. Come, let us worship and celebrate the good news. Amen. All right, you may be seated. As I flip back through the pages of notes and look through the dozens of documents, I wondered this week and in the weeks coming up to this day if I'd be able to say anything new, anything fresh about Easter. I mean, Look, sure, there are, this story has countless ways that you could approach it. No one ever will ever get to the end of the things that you can say about Easter. But I worried, you know, what am I going to do that's different? What am I going to do that's new? And, I, and at the same time, realizing, man, I don't want to go off too far afield. I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent um, that takes us away from the main story. And as I was wrestling with this and as I was reviewing the notes and looking at the commentaries and looking back, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord brought me up short. But the Spirit of the Lord stopped me and said, John, your job this morning is not to be clever. It is to be faithful. This message the personal and corporate testimony of the crucified, risen, living, and ascended Jesus has been recounted countless times in thousands of languages for over 2,000 years. Y'all, we are participating not just in a religious ritual today in Fayetteville, Arkansas, but we are joining with countless saints throughout the centuries who have gathered on the day to celebrate the risen Jesus. We are practicing and participating in history this morning, not just a simple exercise of worship, although it is that as well. 
And the power in this message comes not in finding something new, but by rooting ourselves ever deeper into something that is real. The excitement this morning shouldn't come from being clever. Our excitement this morning should come from being awed at what has happened. This morning, a few of us gathered out for the sunrise service out back, where Friday night candles were lit, the scriptures were read of the crucifixion of Jesus, and one by one those candles were extinguished, and it left darkness. This morning, as the light began to dawn through the clouds, we gathered in that same place and celebrated the coming of the light, the illuminating of the world. And as we read the text from John, who's been guiding us through these, uh, our worship this season, we read where Mary ran ahead and she, and she came to the tomb and it was empty. And then she had the encounter with Jesus, who she initially mistook for the gardener. And then he said, go and tell the disciples. And so she goes, and she returns, not just with the testimony, there's an empty tomb, astonishing enough as that would be, but with the testimony, I have seen the Lord. The testimony of the risen Jesus. So let's pick up our story now. We look at John 20, starting in verse 19. On the evening of that day, that same day where Mary came back, the first day of the week, the disciples had gathered together and locked the doors of the place because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And after this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, they are forgiven. If you retain anyone's sins, they are retained. It's interesting here to note that John collapses the birth of the church into that first day. The other gospel writers, they put Pentecost off at a later date when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes. Here, John emphasizes the Holy Spirit coming through the resurrected Jesus to the disciples. Now let's look at this for a minute. Because it's easy in our culture to think that we are the ones who are seeking God. Indeed, indeed, many churches have seeker-friendly services even. And while there is no doubt that we are, we are called to put serious effort into seeking after God, that would be impossible if God were not first seeking after us. If he was not calling us to him and that we seek him in response. I mean, even think of the disciples here, right? They're gathered in a locked room. They're not looking for Jesus. Mary goes to anoint or tend to a dead body, not a risen Lord. The men stay back huddled in fear. They're not looking for Jesus. Jesus comes to them. This is how it happens. 
whether, whether we feel a sense being called and we go out seeking or whether we find ourselves in a locked room and Jesus comes knocking down the door, it is always Jesus who is seeking, Jesus who is calling. One of the preeminent theologians of the 20th century, uh, Jürgen Moltmann, was a SS anti-aircraft gunner in World War II. He fought for the Nazis, shooting down Allied planes as they came over. And even though later in the war he began to lose the conviction that he was on the right side, he still fought in the army, was captured by the Allied forces and sent to a concentration camp in Scotland. And in those days, the concentration camps... After the war ended, they kept the prisoners, the men there, to help rebuild England and the British Isles from all the damage that was done in the Blitzkrieg. And Moltmann was one of those prisoners who was put to work removing rubble and rebuilding England. But it wasn't just a prison camp. This was a prison camp that the Allied forces actually turned over to the YMCA, the Young Men's Christian Association. They turned it over, and in the prison camp, the YMCA sent former British soldiers as missionaries, as pastors, as evangelists. And it was in this camp where this former Nazi guard came to Jesus, came to know Jesus from the testimony of the very men that he had been trained to shoot down they came and preached the gospel to him. And speaking of this idea of being sought after, of being sought by Jesus, he later wrote this quote. It's one that I used often. It is one that has profoundly affected my life. He wrote this. He said, but the ultimate reason for our hope is not to be found at all in what we want or wish for, or wait for. The ultimate reason is that we are wanted, and wished for, and waited for. What is it that awaits us? Does anything await us at all, or are we alone? Whatever we base our hope, whenever we place our hope on trust in the divine mystery, we feel deep down in our hearts there is someone who is waiting for you who is hoping for you, who believes in you. We are waited for as the prodigal son in the parable is waited for by the father. We are accepted and received as a mother takes her children into her arms and comforts them. God is our last hope because we are God's first love. My hope is not in my desires, my fickle desires, my fickle longings, they change, they've changed throughout my life. My hope is that I am wanted, that I am longed for, that I am waited for by God, that Jesus is relentlessly, unfailingly, and always searching after me. Anything that I do in response, he welcomes, he encourages, but it is all rooted in God looking for me. 
Jesus is looking for you. You need to hear that this morning. We all need to hear that this morning. No matter whether you're a regular attender here at Grace or you just showed up for the first time, God is looking for you. Jesus is longing for you. The Spirit is waiting for you. It starts with that. And in our culture, we, we kind of understand that, and so we romanticize this conversion experience, the mountaintop revelation, the blinding flash of insight. Some of you have come here this morning, and you're like, please, Jesus, just, just, just do it. Just give me that insight. Give me that revelation. Speak that word. Do that thing that'll change everything for me. That may happen. And it may not. See, those experiences, while they do happen, they are fickle, few, and far in between. Rarely do any of us get it in a flash, or even the first few times. More often than not, it takes consistent repetition, regular application, and a good deal of time to really get it. I mean, even twice in our text, in the very text, Jesus says, peace be with you. I kind of get it like this. Jesus shows up. He gives his announcements, peace be with you. They all devolve into chaos. They're all like, what is happening? Oh my gosh, it's Jesus. And then they start talking to each other. And then they start, and Jesus is in the room kind of, excuse me, peace be with y'all. Like, it, it even takes him repeating it a second time in this text for them to start to understand what is happening. Once wasn't enough, and I doubt twice really did it either. Even our most powerful aha moments, if we really looked at it, they've been preceded by many unremarked, mundane moments leading up to that moment. But we are so addicted to the immediate the showy, the feel-good, we have lost almost all concept of, the knowledge, of knowledge that is fought for, experience that is hard-earned, faith that overcomes even boredom. Rarely do we get it all at once. As I said in the introduction as I started, listen, I haven't got anything new to tell you today. I'm going to tell you the same thing they've been saying for 2,000 years in thousands of languages. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. That word takes time to really permeate into our hearts. It may take a lifetime. It may take eternity. I don't know. But it is something that has to work in us over time that we won't just get once and then go on and everything be okay. We need to return to this truth time and time again. But life is never one-dimensional, is it? For every action, there is a reaction. We are seeking Jesus because he is seeking us. We are constantly learning, but in the process also unlearning as we grow and change. Jesus coming to us is similarly complex. He comes for a variety of purposes, to save us for fellowship, for our freedom, and for revelation. But also that we would likewise go out in his name. 
to seek those who have yet to hear the message of Jesus. Just as we are sought, we seek Jesus, but we also seek other people in the same way that many of us were sought by that person who first told us about Jesus. And likewise, the way we were sought by friends, by maybe by our parents, by a Sunday school teacher, we seek others. You see, Jesus came in, he said, peace be with you, now go. Usually we fall to one side or the other. We like the peace be with you part, right? We're going to sit down, oh, I got my peace, baby. I'm going to sit here and get comfortable. I got it now. I got what I need. We like the peace part. Others of us are like, let's go. Come on, man. Let's get out there. Let's do something. Let's stir it up. And we leave peace far behind. Jesus is saying, no, it's both and. We go because of what we've been given. We seek others because we have been sought. At the core of all our hearts resides the lie that only if we had enough power and control, then we could have the life we always wanted. This is the great lie of our society. Hey, if you just get a little more stuff, if you just get a little more power, you just get a little more control, you just get a little more education, you just get a little more money, whatever it is that gives you control over your world, then it'll be better. It'll be all right. That's the promise behind all the advertising. Hey, we'll just give you more, your life better with that. So we reject our dependence on God. We reject that we have been sought and we couldn't seek. We reject we only give what we have received first from Jesus. And instead we opt for self-help or the idols of education or money or control. We are limited in our ability to even understand what needs to be changed in our life much less change it. Jesus comes to us, and as the pastor Will Williman once said, he gives us a gift that most of us didn't even know we needed. And when we understand what it means, most of us really don't want it because it means going and giving to others. But y'all, we are given this gift so that we will go. Jesus comes to us so that we will go out. Easter is, yes, Jesus is risen, he is alive, he has given us freedom, but he's also commissioned us to go from this place, to tell others, to seek others. This week in the Grace blog, if you haven't got a chance, John Farthing wrote an excellent article on communion about what it means, and he talked about how we are what we eat. This morning, today, this week, I want to ask us all to take time to consider how likewise we are what we seek. What are you seeking after? Who are you seeking after and why? Are you seeking after Jesus because you realize that you have been sought after? Are you looking for Jesus because you realize he has been looking for you? Because we are 
what we seek. We become that thing. John, all through his writing, has been inviting us to come and see. And now, in this culmination of events, we see Mary, this first evangelist, this woman who is the first evangelist, a student and disciple of Jesus, who first sees Jesus, she declares, I have seen the Lord. All through the book, all through John, come and see, come and see, come and see. And then now, today on Easter, Mary declares, I have seen the Lord. That's to be our testimony too. That's to be what we declare. That's to be the message that we go out with. I have seen the Lord. Grace Church, we have seen the Lord. And we will become more and more like the Lord who has sought us, the Jesus who seeks us as we seek after Jesus. I'm going to invite us now. The worship team's going to come back up. And we're going to take time to worship some more but also to come and take communion together. We serve an open table of communion. If you are seeking that Lord who is seeking after you, Jesus, you are welcome at this table. We don't dismiss by rows. You take your time. Come when you're ready. Receive the bread. Receive the wine. Jesus, on that last night with his disciples, he took that bread. He took that wine. He said, this is... This is my body which is broken. This is my blood which is poured out for you. And as we take that body into our body, he comes to us and we are united with him. Come and take this table. It is waiting for you. It is looking for you. It is wanting you. Thank you for being here this morning.